Hello, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry. My pups' names are Sunny and Riley. And each week we talk with different therapy dog teams and researchers around the world about the impact that they're making in their area. If you're just getting started and you're not sure where to get started, we have a free guide that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And we also have a community you can join at community.therapydogtalk.com. Today, I'm really excited to talk with Stasha Wong of Animal Assisted Interactions Singapore, which is Singapore's first social enterprise specializing in the field of animal-assisted interactions and interventions. So rather than further botch that, I'm going to get Stasha in here and let her tell you her story and the story of AI Singapore. Hi, Stasha. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Very excited to be talking with you today. Yeah, me too. Well, Sasha, for those who don't know you or AAI Singapore, can you tell us a little about yourself and about the organization? My name is Sasha Wong, and I'm a director at AISG, which stands for Animal Assisted Interaction Singapore. As you introduced us earlier, we are Singapore's first ever social enterprise specializing in the field of AI. So what we believe in is creating mutually beneficial and life-giving interactions between humans and animals. We do this by creating a holistic ecosystem where we provide and plan animal-assisted interactions. We also want to specialize in research and producing public guidelines. So last year, for example, we just really released our guidelines for all the industry on best practices in AI. Also, we do education and training. We have a really comprehensive education accreditation process for all the dog members that join us. We've been running for over a year. We began in February last year and it's really encouraging to see the enthusiasm and support for us. That's awesome. I know that you go by animal-assisted interactions rather than intervention, correct? Why is yes. that? What's the terminology there for you? Oh, oh, that's a really good question. At AISG, what we're trying to do is stay plugged in with the international conversation. We want to use the most outdated terms, right? We decided to go with animal-assisted interactions because the term is bit more holistic. It involves not just formal therapy-based interventions, but also interactions between humans and animals in a less formal context. So it kind of combines animal-assisted activities and animal-assisted interventions into one term, rather than needing to say both. That's great. Sasha, what led you into this area of work? I've been involved in animal welfare and canine-related things because of my formal work for local animal welfare charity. Adele, who was our founder and director, she was also involved in animal-related work, but from a government agency standpoint. We got to know each other from this formal organization that was in that was also providing animal-assisted activities. Both of us have a really deep passion for animal welfare, canine behavior. We also recognize that there were several gaps in the practice of AI in Singapore. For example, we're not the only organization that provides this, but a great number of organizations have volunteers that are not adequately trained. They don't necessarily screen the dogs properly. And we decided that we need to do something about this. And hence, this organization came about. And now you really integrate with like IHIO and you also consult with Ian Howey, who is known in the field. Does that really help to shape those standards that you've mentioned? Oh, yes, for sure. So when we first began this organization, we put in a lot of work, a lot of research consulting not just with Anne Howley, but also Professor Nancy G in formulating our best practices, our procedures. For Anne Howley, for example, we consulted her and a lot of the work that she'd already done in 
in designing like assessments for dogs. So we made sure that each component assesses not just the dog's temperament and skills, but also the handler's ability to read the dog's body language, to introduce their dogs and facilitate interaction safely, all these kinds of things. So and Polly's work and advice is really important for that. But also we made sure that when we plan our activities and when we train our dog handlers, our caring T19s, that the information that we give them is up to date. So Dr. Nancy just really helpful in that sense. And for Ahayo, we only recently became a member earlier this year. Adele is also on the board and we just want to make sure that whatever new information comes up, we integrate it into our practice. Awesome. So you're a member of Ohio to stay up to date with what's best practice in the field around the world. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. great. That's awesome. I noticed you mentioned that you referred to your teams as canine caring teams. With your choice in words there. We try our best to avoid using the word therapy dog or therapy animal and as much as possible, especially when we talk to our partner organizations, we'll let them know we don't have therapy dogs. We have caring canine teams. The reason for this is Number one, when we call our dogs therapy dogs, I think especially in Singapore, it tends to connote that the dog itself, the animal itself, is the one that's providing therapy when that's not actually true. The animal is incorporated into a therapeutic goal-directed structure intervention provided by a qualified health professional in providing therapeutic benefits for their clients. However, this is unfair because it sort of omits the importance of the human, the qualified professional in providing the intervention. It also gives like unfair expectations upon the dogs because very few dogs are suited to be involved in this kind of work. It's very stressful, can be very long, very intense. And also at AISD, we're not actually health professionals, but we have qualifications and lots of years of experience in canine welfare, canine behavior. So we work with healthy professionals to integrate our dogs. So we just thought to be more specific and more accurate, we want caring canines instead. Yeah, I love that. You just go to a whiteboard and throw up ideas until you came out with caring canines. It took a long time to come up with caring canines, but we thought like this word stuck, this term stuck. Yeah, I think it's hard, right? There's so many terms in this field that are just hard. And then you're trying to create a standard and that makes it even more complex. Just going from animal assisted intervention to animal assisted interactions. I know human animal bond is problematic for some indigenous communities. And then Therapy dog, you're not the first person I've heard says isn't the best term, but it's probably the most well-known term. And then I know pet partner says pet therapy is in best practice. So there's so many terms. It's hard to standardize that and standardize the field at the same time, for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's really because the field is, it's growing. It's really new, right? I mean, yeah. comparatively, the last 30 to 40 years. So it's, this is something that we have to slowly work our way through and when things get more established i'm pretty sure there will be some consistency yeah and there's cultural things to account for too so i know like you look at what are best practices and common terms worldwide and then what works for us here in singapore definitely yeah and you're carrying canine teams you have quite a few different programs for them yeah can you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that sure we have a number of programs depending on our target demographic. To give you an example, one of our very popular signature programs is this thing called Doctors on Call. So I know in the US, it's really quite common to have like therapy dog teams, right? Involved in visits to hospitals. But in Singapore, it's totally not the case for reasons of like infection control. It's not something that people have done before, but also cultural and religious sensitivities because we have a significant Muslim population and not all of them are comfortable with dogs for religious reasons. 
Sure. And so Doctors on Call was the first program where we brought our caring K-9 teams to visit in an acute hospital setting. It took a long time for us to get the infection control team to say, okay, we are comfortable with doing this. It took a lot of back and forth, a lot of assurances. So, for example, we exclude participants with allergies and fears of dogs. And for participants who are Muslims who still want to participate, we have this special soap that they can use and they can use gloves, do not touch the dog's saliva. So that's one program. And this is targeted at health professionals, healthcare workers specifically, because of the COVID pandemic, right? They've been overworked, really, really stressed out anxiety. So we just hope that our activities provide the opportunity for them to relax and interact with our dogs in a work setting, but also to feel more comfortable. So that's one program. Another program that we also do is this thing called Rusting It Out. (laughs) And it's Rusting as an R-U-S-F-I-N-G. This is targeted at youth at risk. We work with this social service agency called Failure Youth Services. And the goal is to teach the youth at risks, handles for building resilience, a growth mindset. The specific goals were formulated in collaboration with these social workers. Each activity is meant to achieve these goals. To give you an example, in the last session, we did activities for handling stress in our minds. We incorporate the dogs into activities by showing the youth, for example, how as dog trainers or dog handlers, we do counter-conditioning and desensitization, especially to change how adults seems with regards to something really scary. So we actually involve the youth in under-conditioning our dogs to the activities and through this process, teach them some of the skills that they can apply to themselves, right? To reframe their negative thoughts, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we have another program called Sunshine Canines, which is targeted at seniors. Yeah. And many, many other social, physical health goals that we try to target each session. Yeah. I can go through details if you want. Yeah. That's awesome. I know you have several different programs and you also do kind of like bespoke programs that people reach out to you too, right? Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. And people can find you. What's your website? Refresh your memory. Oh, AI.SG. AI.SG. Yeah. So they can find your other programs there. Yes. Everything's Um, there. Andrea has a couple of questions. The first one was if you provide these services to people outside of NUS. Oh, yes. We multiple organizations. Okay. And then they also wanted to know if the initiative is open to the public at a charge. I know yours works a little bit differently than some of the nonprofit companies, especially like here in the U.S. How does that work for you? Right. So we tend to work directly with companies or organizations to provide our activities to their clients or to their employees. But as you mentioned, Sharon, we do provide bespoke services. So if anything, just contact us at info at AI.SG. We can work something out. Okay, very cool. Sasha, how do people in your community get involved as a canine caring team? Okay, as a caring canine team, what they do is they write into us first. We have this page on our website with really, really lots of information, really comprehensive about what it takes, what we're looking for. So people who make it to the end of the page, we know that they are already something special. The first stage of our entire accreditation process is essentially a meet and greet. So this is about half an hour session conducted at a local park. There's a lot of things going on at this park. Bicycles, people do exercises, loud music, loud vehicles. So we not just screen the dog's temperament, the dog's maybe basic obedience, but we also look at how well the handler is able to interpret the dog's behavior, to look out for the dog's situation. Once we meet the team, and we are more or less satisfied that they have potential to join us. The next stage is to go for our preparatory course. This is a full day program where we provide them with all the information needed 
we train them on the skills required to participate in a program safely. Best practices. Once they've finished this prep course, the next thing that they do is they attend a 10-hour mentorship program. Up until this stage, they're still trainees. They're not full members of the organization yet. So as trainees on the mentorship program, they can still visit at our sessions, but they will be tagged on with one of our members of staff. So we will observe them, provide them with feedback on how they can better facilitate interactions. If there are any situations where maybe the dogs have been feeling a little bit uncomfortable, we show them what they can do. So after attending 10 hours, giving the feedback, the handlers will then graduate. And once they've graduated, they become fully fledged caring canine team. Um, and they actually receive a confirmation tape for every session they go to. That's very cool. That sounds like a process that really just inspires confidence for the team, for you, and for anywhere that they're visiting. Yes. That's really great. How do places in your community request a team then? Up to this point, we've got most of our partner organizations to word of mouth, but people do write into us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was going to ask too, how many mm-hmm. canine teams do you have? Right. At this point, we have about 25 carrying canine teams. Okay. Do I keep saying that backwards? It's carrying canine team? Carrying canine teams. Yes. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> I was like, you keep repeating it back to me and the words are slightly different and I'm well, there are a lot of terms, right? Yeah, carrying canine team. There are. And I have all my cheat notes in front of me. And they're incorrect on my notes. And I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's all right. What are goals for AAI Singapore? Where do you really hope to see the organization go? Well, AAI is, we have lots of goals. We want to be leaders in the field of AI, not just in Singapore, but perhaps even regionally, Southeast Asia, Asia Pacific. We really want to do this by, first of all, reaching out to new demographics, especially in Singapore, that have not enjoyed the benefits of the human animal one yet. So for example, the prison population, we want to establish long-term programs for hospitals or for our existing client-based. The reason for this is because it takes time to build a bond with not just humans, but with animals as well, right? And through a long-term program, we truly believe that our clients can reap even more benefits, right? So that's one. Number two, we really want to uplift the practice of AI locally. We want to bring not just ourselves, but the industry generally in alignment with international standards of best practice. So speaking in more concrete terms, for example, what we want to do is next year, we're planning in a conference, a regional conference in 2024. This conference will feature Michael Kaufman of Green Chimneys. He's going to be our keynote speaker. And we'll hope to involve scholars, practitioners, experts in the field to come down and share so that we can learn all together. That's how we plan to push everyone up. Personally, I will be leaving Singapore. I will still remain with the ISP, but I'm going to pursue my PhD at the University of Chicago in anthropology and hopefully to my study with human and relationships. We can come back. I'll come back and AISG can become the forefront of research and best practices here. <laughs> well, you probably don't know this, but number one, I've been to Singapore. And number ah. two, I'm from near Chicago. <laughs> oh, really? We should get in touch. Yeah, I live there now. I live in LA, but they're very close comparatively versus LA to Singapore. So definitely let me know when you make it to the state. I will. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. That's really great. I love that you're really connecting with other organizations and even seeking out this PhD program to really just continually improve your mission with knowledge in the areas that you see best for helping people with your caring canine teams. Absolutely. Yes, our slogan is better together. We want to build healthier, happier communities together. And so it's not something that we can do alone, AISG. I love that. 
Sasha, do you have any advice for someone who's interested in working or volunteering with their dog? Absolutely. Maybe a couple of things. It's really important if you're working with dogs to realize that the benefits of human-animal interactions can only come if the interactions are mutually beneficial. What this means is that handlers should make an effort to know their dogs as individuals, know not only what their dogs like and dislike, but what they can do to help make their dogs feel more comfortable at sessions and to feel more confident at sessions. So I recommend handlers learn some techniques for giving their dogs positive experiences, not just in the sessions itself, but outside the sessions. This can be resilience conditioning, learning how to bring your dogs for decompression walks and doing relaxation exercises. All these things will build up your dog's positive experiences, your dog's emotional cups, we love to say, both inside and outside sessions, so that at sessions itself, the dog can be its full 100% happy selves. But also, I encourage people to learn how to advocate for their dogs at sessions themselves. What this means is teaching beneficiaries how to interact with dogs. Not everyone knows how to do that. Telling them where to pet their dogs, for example, if a beneficiary does something that dog does not like, to not feel afraid to say no, because our first responsibility is to our animals. Yeah, I love that. Andrea has another question. They want to know if your research paper from which this initiative was generated will be uploaded. Oh, so I have not done any research yet. It will be a long-term research project. Yeah, but you plan to share the results of what you learn, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. This is kind of a different question, but an unexpected thing I'm doing podcast and connecting with people from around the world is I sometimes encounter people who are trying to pioneer animal assisted interventions in the airspace and end up connecting them with each other. So I'm curious, what are some of the learnings that you've had and found AISG that you would share with someone who's interested in doing something like that in their, their area? Sorry, just to clarify, the question is about what I've learned about setting up Community. About setting up the organization, yeah, about really putting some processes and things in place and and covering costs. Obviously, you don't need to give us a full like business pitch right here. But just are there any key learnings you've learned in terms of getting something started like this in an area where there isn't anything formal in place? Right. I think it's really important, number one, to understand the gaps in the community and the gaps that your organization intends to fix or not fix, you know, to address, right? So, so each gap is specific to the location that you're in. So in Singapore, for example, we tend to have, other than the gaps that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this view of animals as objects mm-hmm. or this view of animals as like serving human pleasure or something like that. Right. This is sort of underlying the issue of maybe inadequate training or inadequate knowledge on animal behavior and so when people bring their dogs into these the I said things they sort of do such weird things with their dogs so when setting up an organization for example you should maybe keep this social cultural context in mind number one that's number one number two I think it's really important to set the culture of your organization straight and right from the start and that's something that AISG has put in a lot of effort to doing so other than coming up with our policy procedures we ensure that we meet regularly with our hearing teams we're always repeating with them use positive reinforcement use motivational training please don't yank your dog please don't make go subject that your dog doesn't like to be hugged that kind of thing yeah. by repeated conversations and interactions you set a good culture and Hopefully, get to work in a way that's in alignment with your values. I suppose the third thing is be sure on what values you want to promote as an organization. It may be abstract with your constructs right now, but I think it's really important to always have a direction for your organization. 
also something a bit more concrete. It's really important when working with your partner organization. Say you want to bring your dogs to the hospital, you want to bring your dogs to get old folks or sheltered home. To really work with the social workers or the healthcare professionals to understand the needs of the clients. Very often we may think we know what they need, but may not always be the case. So through collaboration, things will be better. I love that. That's great. Is any of that things that you've learned by being a part of RAISE or how does RAISE kind of play a role in AISP? RAISE is a government linked agency that supports social enterprises in Singapore. Well, to be completely honest with you, we do not rely on RAISE very much at all, but it's helpful in the sense that they link us up with potential funding opportunities. Um, Funding may be tricky, I suppose, for non-profit organizations or even social enterprises, though it's good to know the funding landscape, wherever you're at. Yeah. No, that's important. I like that. Well, Sasha, is there anything else that you'd like to share while you're here? Off the top of my head, what I've been trying to get at talking about AI history is how important collaboration is and how important knowledge on canine behavior, canine welfare is. So maybe for all of the listeners in this podcast and the therapy dealt talk community we'd love if you could reach out talk to us share experiences with us we'd love to hear more i love that and i am really looking forward to continuing to follow the work that you're doing which people can find at aai singapore right or is it aai.ng really simple but on instagram your handle on instagram oh yes i'll handle on instagram is aai singapore yes on instagram aai singapore and on the web aai.sg Correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sasha. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Have a great day. Have a good evening. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.